Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. about unforgiveness. Um, And if there's one thing that's super toxic in your life and in my life, it is when unforgiveness hits and it takes effect in our lives. And it takes some work to get unforgiveness out. So what, what, what would happen if you and I came to a place where we could be kind of preventative about even letting unforgiveness set in our life. Um, And and so there's going to be two parts to this message today. The first part is going to be talking about not taking offense, learning to not be offended so easily. Um, And I'm going to get to that in just a second. And the second one is how to struggle through, how to handle unforgiveness that you may be holding on to. And so as we start, I want to talk about taking offense. We are a culture that gets offended really, really, really easily, right? Like this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen people get offended over, by the way, boomer sooner. Um, But, um, you know, I just don't, I don't understand, like, like Texas Longhorn fans right now, I hope some of you are watching online right now, right at you, penalize this, 15 yards for, anyways, um, I don't, like, I'm like, really? That makes people upset? You know what I'm saying? Like, when you throw horns up, I'm like, I'm not like, oh, that just totally ruined my whole day. How, how dare you? How dare you? I'm not like, I'm like, it's college football for crying out loud, right? Here's, here's the truth, though. I almost did this, but I didn't do it because it would mess with so many. I almost wore an OU shirt today. But I'm not kidding. For some people, they would have a hard time listening to their pastor in those horde colors, right? Like you're like, I can't even listen to him because he's doing crimson and cream. I don't even know why I come to. I've had people get offended because I wore flip-flops as a youth pastor into the church and leave the church because I wore flip-flops. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Jesus wore sandals too. So I'm just, (laughs) what would Jesus do, right? I mean, I was just like, and, and we are a culture that gets so offended so easily, and so I'm going to say something that's not, we haven't gotten to the biblical part of this sermon yet. Um, this is just free advice from, let's just have Justin's Corner over here apart from this sermon right now. Some of us, we just got to suck it up and stop being such sissies. Um, I'm just being real honest, um, because it's not that the problem is everybody else, if you keep getting offended, it's really that you're just too sensitive and you keep taking things way too personal that people don't mean personal. 
Um, so, um, you know, that, that's your free advice. And we'll, we'll keep going because I could, yeah, um, stay. Yeah, there we go. Our text today is found um, in 2 Samuel. And let me set up our text uh, before we get into it. What is happening, this is a, a scripture that is talking about David, King David. And David has actually been overthrown as king by his own son, Absalom. Um, and Absalom has come in. He has taken over Israel. He has taken over the kingdom. And, and here's really why this has happened. Um, Absalom was one of David's favorite kids. All you parents that pretend you don't have favorites, I got you. Um, but um, this is one of David's favorite kids. And Absalom did all sorts of things that David never confronted. And as a result, it ended up costing him and Absalom a whole lot of problems, a whole lot of heartache. And parents, can I tell you, this is a huge lesson that's not even in our message, but a huge principle. You are called to be their parent, not their friend. And when you don't confront the hard things, it's going to cost you and your kids in the long run a whole lot more than having the hard conversation that you're called to have with them as a parent. Um, love your kid enough to be their parent now so that you can be their friend later. Um, Man, so we're staying on target because that's not the message. So Absalom has overthrown David, the king of Israel, and David is running for his life because his son is now wanting to kill him because he was the king and there are still loyal people to David. So we pick up, David is leaving Israel, uh, Jerusalem, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5 through 14 says this, as King David approached Beream, a man from the same clan, as Saul's family, that was the previous king before King David, Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shemiah, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though, um, with stones, though all the troops and special guards were on David's right and left. Let me stop here for just a second, because when this says special guards and troops, this is talking about David's mighty men. Some of his mighty men are there. These men are bad. These, I mean, they will kill you just by looking at you like Darth Vader. Um, some of these have killed people, like killed giants, killed lions, done like crazy things. It's like the first SEAL Team 6, right? So this is who this Shemiah guy is pelting. Um, and it starts to make these guys mad. As he cursed, Shemiah said, get out. Get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul and whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son, Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then Abishai, Abishai is my boy right here. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. Yes! Right? Like all of us are like, I'm that guy, um, Abishai. But the king said, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why did you do this? David then said to Abishai and all of his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse for the Lord has told him to. Now, let me stop for a second. Some of you that have cussing problems, this is not your verse. Um, the excuse the words that come out of your mouth. The Lord told me to say that. Um, I'm just cursing like Shemiah here. Um, pulling a Shemiah. Um, anyways, 
Verse 12, it may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. So David and his men continued along the road while Shemiah was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. And the king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. Now, some of us have probably read this text, um, the story, and we've never given much thought to it. But this is going to be our main text today. And I want to talk to you about how do you deal with the Shemias of life? How do you deal with the Shemias of life? Because here's what I have understood. There are always going to be Shemias that you and I have to deal with in life. There's going to be people that don't like you, right? There's going to be people that don't like me. And if we're going to move along and if we're going to go through this life and not take offense over what all the Shemias are saying and what they're throwing your way and the hate and the shade that they're throwing, you've got to understand this. You have to move out and block out if you're going to keep offense out. You've got to move out and block out if you're going to keep offense out. Let's talk about Shemia for a moment because Shemia. Man, Shemiah was, here, here's the deal about Shemiahs of life that I understand from this text. They wait till their David is down. They wait till David is in a hard place that where they're going through a hard time and then Shemiahs come out of the woodwork, right? They come out and they start throwing dirt and they start throwing stuff your way and you're like, what in the world is, go where did you come from, right? Like, I don't even know you. Why are you commenting on my thread? Like, I don't know you right now. Um, but that's what Shemias do. They come out and they wait till you hit a tough place, a hard place, and then they let the criticism fly. And you and I have got to decide how are we going to deal with our Shemias. How are we going to deal with it? Because there's going to be criticism that comes your way. There's going to be people that don't like you. Can I tell you, there's people that, this is hard to believe right now, there's people that don't like me. What? <laughs> right, right back at you. Like, there's people, I'm, gonna, I'm about to burst somebody's bubble, that don't like you. No. Yeah. Some of them drove with you to church today. Um, <laughs> here's the deal. There's, <laughs> there's going to be people that say things about you that aren't true, that do things to you that aren't right. And how are you going to react at it? How are you going to deal with it? Because we look at David's reaction and David's reaction was this. He blocked it out and he kept moving out. He kept moving along and kept blocking out what Shemiah was saying. And here's the deal. If you go back and read the text, if you really read it, Shemiah, this wasn't like a one-time occurrence, this Shemiah guy. Like I, want to, like I have this picture in my mind. Shemiah keeps following David, right? He keeps following him and throwing dirt and throwing stones at him and curses and all this. I mean, he's following all these guys that want to chop his head off and are capable of chopping his head off. And he just keeps following him, throw, showering dirt. And throw, but David just keeps going. This is like the first person to troll somebody, right? Like he's trolling their Hebrew Facebook and Twitter account and Instagram. I mean, he's just going. And can I tell you, Shemias are always going to say things that aren't true. David wasn't responsible for Saul's death. 
It was the Philistines. Right? What Shemiah's hung up on and has been hung up on wasn't even true. And Shemiah's don't take time to get the facts. They don't care about what's right, what's wrong, what's true. They just don't like you. And are they going, are they going to get a, are you going to take offense to it or are you going to keep moving out and blocking out so you can keep the offense out? Because here's the thing about Shemiah's. If you notice, Shemiah, in his, in his talking to David, he talks about David's son. Now, you can talk about me all you want. You talk about my kids and it's, all, it's on, right? That's how we are. You talk about my spouse, oh, it's on. And you talk about me, but you talk about my family and it's a whole nother level. It, 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 sometimes it's easy to take the criticism when it's pointed this way, but how do you do when they talk about your kids and your loved ones? How are you at moving out and blocking out? Or do you get offended? And do you take the bait and do you take offense? How do you do when they talk about your parenting style? Well, no wonder their kids act like that. Do you see how they parent? Like, like <laughs> how do you do? Because it's amazing. Shamias don't mind being heard when you're low. They stay silent when you're high, but when you're low, they don't mind being heard in those moments. Well, what do you do? What do you, what do, you do when they say, well, they're just not the same. They, they've changed. They're different. I love when, when people say that about, like people from, uh, that I went to Bible college with, they're like, well, Justin's just not the same guy anymore. He's totally different. Thank God. Or we would all be in jail. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> thank the Lord, Right. I'm glad I'm, that would be weird if I was still acting like a 20-year-old. Like, really, bro? You making TikTok videos or what? Like, what's going on? Like, you got, what, what is happening right now? Like, you, you got to keep changing. You got to block out the shemiz where they're just not the same. Or they talk about when good things happen. But if you're going to keep out of the, if, it, if you're going to keep a fence out, you got to move out and block out. Otherwise, you're going to take the bait. If I was going to title this message today, I would call it mousetraps and stink bait. Um, it will all make sense right now because here's the deal. When it comes to the game mousetrap, this is the lamest game ever. If you have this game, if you're like, oh, I love this game, I'm your Shamia right now. Um, it's just like, it's, I, I, it, I just don't get it. Like, it's one of those things I'm like, I just don't understand that. Um, and my wife says that to me a lot and points to all of me. I don't understand this today. Um, here's the deal is that the whole goal of this is you set up this trap gradually as you're playing the game. And then the goal is to get other players to take pieces of cheese and you are trying to trap them. And, and, and it sounds dumb. Like, well, why play that game? Why, why, why take the bait of offense? Because all it's going to do is trap you, right? All it's going to do is trap your emotions. All it's going to do is lead you to a lot of things and a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings that you're really going to have to work through. And so the choice is this. When it comes to dealing with our Shemia, you either choose to react as David and you move out and you block out or you become Abishai, Right? Now, what did Abishai want to do? He's like, what'd you say, fool? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to cut your head off. Like, 
Let's see how you talk then, right? And so Abishai is one of the mighty men. I mean, he, he can, he's not just talking smoke and blowing shade. He can back it up. And so he's got, I'm, I'm convinced, he's got his hand on his sword like, I got it. I got it. Like, just let me at it, right? And here's the deal is that I think a lot of us, we're Abishai's. And we just, anytime somebody says something, we're like, and your head's cut off, and your head's cut off, and I'm taking you out, and I'm taking you out, and I heard what you said, I'm coming after you. And can I tell you, when we become Abishai's, we get distracted from the purpose of God that he has for us. Because all of a sudden, you're distracted and getting caught up in your day, and you're, you're getting pulled away from the purpose and the plan God has for you, trying to prove the Shemiah's wrong, trying to silence the Shemiah's when that isn't what God has called you to in the first place. There's always going to be critics. Man, when you read the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is going back to Jerusalem. It's been defeated. The walls are, are crushed, and Nehemiah comes back to build the walls. And people, Sandoval's wanting to pull Nehemiah down from the wall, and Nehemiah says, hey, I cannot come. Their critics are trying to trap Nehemiah, and he doesn't even meet with them. He simply says, I have too much to do to meet with you. And some of you, you have too much to do. You have too many important things to be about than to come off your wall and get distracted and try to silence the Shemias. You got to move out and block out because God has a purpose that is way bigger than proving your Shemiah is wrong. Don't take the offense. There's always, there's always, there's always going to be critics. And I love the Shemias, I mean the, the Abishai's in my life. I love when people want to take people out. Man, somebody said something critical about me the other day on Facebook. Oh no, right? I have people like, I'll, I'll take care of it, Justin. I will take care of it now. I'm like, it's okay. It's not, I'm not playing for them. I'm not living for their approval. I'm living and I'm living this life for the voice and the audience of one. And I'm listening to his voice because that's all that matters. And hear me, you got to live for his voice and try, instead of trying to make all the Shemias happy. Because they'll always be a critic and they'll never be happy. I love what Theodore Roosevelt said. He said this, it is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. What? Have you been trapped by? What offense have you been trapped by? And do you need to move on from? Because here's what happens. If we let ourselves stop and listen to the Shemias, because if you notice, the only time David stops is to deal with this guy that's wanting to chop the guy's head off, right? Otherwise, he's moving out and blocking out. You can throw your stones. You can throw your dirt. You can say your words. I'm, I've got too much to do to deal with you right now. What happens, though, when you get offended? When, when, when 
all of a sudden the offense, because offense always turns into something. When, when all of a sudden that offense turns into hurt feelings, turns into unforgiveness, which turns into bitterness, what do you do then? Because here's what I can tell you is that unforgiveness affects every aspect of your life. It affects every relationship. It affects you when you allow unforgiveness to come in and affect your life. I was a big um, advocate. Back in the day, you like shoe polish people's cars, right? You, you did things to other, to other people's cars. And if you got me in a prank, my, my, my logic, my theory still to this day is you can get me, but I'm going to get you twice twice as bad back. Um, revenge is sweet and awesome when it comes to shoe polish and TP and houses, okay? Not, not life. And so I remember my, my, I was a youth pastor and some teenagers come over and they shoe polish and, and uh, uh, TP'd my house. I was like, okay, game on. I'm going to cheat you younglings some, some, some moments here. And so um, I got wind that they were planning on coming again. And so I had funds available to me. And so we had paintball guns ready to go. We had high water pressures ready to go. We had eggs. We were on the roof waiting for people. And soon enough, don't you know, they come in, rolling around like 1230 at night. This is when I was young and I didn't mind staying up at midnight. Um, and so I'm like, well, it's nine o'clock. It's getting late. But um, it's 1230 at night. They roll up and we are waiting and they come up and I, we're pegging them with eggs. We're hitting them with paintballs. We're pressure washing them. And I jump and I jump in their car that they came in and I lock their doors and I had stink bait. Now, I don't know if you know what stink bait is. Um, if you have never smelled stink bait, I would invite you down the aisle of Walmart, the fishing aisle, and just look for like catfish bait and you can just, just open it and take a big whiff, okay? It's the worst smelling stuff I've ever smelled. It smells worse than a junior high boys locker room. I'm just telling you, it's it's awful. And so I got in there and I peel those lid off and I pull back the stuff and I start smearing stink bait all over their car. I put it in the air vents, like just little fingers. I just put all over, I put a whole can on there and I'm putting it on going, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm just, and, and, and they get out and they could, they could never get it out. The smell was always there. They're like, what'd you put in? I was like, you'll never know. Cause I didn't want them using it against me. Right. I'm like, you will never know, but you will know never to mess with your youth pastor again. And they never mess with me again. Here's the deal. Stink bait. It's just like unforgiveness. Everything it touches, everything it comes into contact with, it affects. And it's really hard to get out. And if you and I, are going to get past this place of unforgiveness. If you and I are going to get past this place of bitterness and offense, you have to understand this first point when it comes to unforgiveness is that forgiveness is a command, not a choice. Now, I know this point's really, really hard for some of us. Hear me, if you're a follower of Christ in this place, understand forgiveness it, 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 it's way bigger than just a choice. It's something you and I were commanded to do. Co commanded to do. And, and, and so the text for this is this. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 contains the Beatitudes. You know, as we know the Beatitudes. And right before the, the, our text, 
Right before it is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We, we, most of us in this place, we know it. And so right after this prayer, he says this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. What Jesus is telling, man, this is, this, we, we, there's really no choice as followers of Christ. This is something you and I are commanded to do. And hear me, I, I'm not saying this is easy. I don't, I don't know what you've been through. I'm not up here trying to be a callous preacher. You must forgive, you must forgive. But, but hear me, is that this is what the Bible instructs us to do. And, and we need to understand what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not saying what they did was okay. Forgiveness is not, not, not saying that, that what they said, what they did, how they hurt you, that it was okay. Forgiveness is just about allowing you and everybody else to move on. That's what forgiveness is. It's not approving of their, their, their attitude, but it's moving past the situation so that you can move into what God has for you. And here's the truth when it comes to forgiveness. You're never going to feel like it. You, if you're waiting to feel like forgiving someone, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life. You're, you're never going to feel your way to forgiveness. You just make the choice because you've been commanded to forgive others because God forgave you. That's hard. But understand this. Forgiveness is about you and the Lord, not the other person. Forgiveness is about you and the Lord not the other person. You can't stay trapped in their wrong, right? You can't, the wrong that they did, don't let it trap you. Don't let it ensnare the rest of your life. Don't stay trapped in the wrong that was done to you and said about you and that has happened to you. But man, understand forgiveness, it has nothing to do with this other person. It's not for their benefit as much as it is for your benefit and your relationship with God. And you can move on and they can move on. And all of a sudden you're understanding forgiveness. It's not just about a choice I have to make. It's a command that I have to follow. It's about you and the Lord. Forgiveness isn't about waiting till they get theirs, right? Because that's still staying trapped in their wrong. Forgiveness isn't saying, well, I'll forgive when they finally get theirs and when they realize what a jerk they are and when something bad happens to them. Can I tell you, you've become the Shemia. You, you, you can't stay trapped in their wrong, but at some point in time, you've got to choose to forgive because you're commanded to forgive. And you decide, man, I'm not going to stay trapped in this place any longer. I'm not going to let this keep affecting my relationships and my present and my future any longer. But I'm going to put it past me. So if you and I are to forgive, how do we do that? We, we know we're commanded now. It's not just a choice. We know that we're instructed, we're commanded to do this. How do you Forgive. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive 
He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. You talk about somebody who had to understand what it meant to forgive, who had horrible things said to him, done to him. Man, if we're devoid of the power to forgive, we're devoid of the power to love. So how do you and I forgive? We understand this. Forgive means that we forgive people repeatedly, quickly, and completely. We forgive repeatedly, quickly, and completely. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, now here's why Peter picks out the number seven. He goes for the God number, right? Like seven. Like, if you ever pick between one and ten with me, pick seven. Um, that's usually where I go. Anyways, um, so he says seven times. The Jewish culture, the Jewish rabbis at this time said that if somebody did something that sinned against you, offended you, that you were to forgive them three times. So Peter comes in kind of brown-nosing right now, right? Like, he's like, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive that jerk? Seven times, right? Like, they say three, I'm going to up it. I'm going to even go a little bit more past double. Like, my math's not good, but it's that good. Um, so I'm going to say seven, and Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, like, pops a little kid's balloon. He's like, oh, no, 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 not, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, some of us are trying to do the math on that. I, I'm pretty sure I'm close to that, Jesus. I'm pretty sure I've gotten to that point in my relationship with this person. Jesus is saying there's no end to it. You're just called to get, forgive repeatedly. Now, let me say this. If you find yourself in a relationship where you're having to forgive repeatedly, and they keep offending you and keep forgive, offending you, and keep, there needs to be a conversation that is had with truth and love. But, but you and I are called to forgive other people repeatedly. We're also called to forgive quickly. Why quickly? I don't know if you've ever cooked with eggs, like you scramble eggs. I used to do this all the time. I would scramble my eggs. I'd fix my eggs. I didn't have time to clean up my mess, so I left it. And you know and I know what happens when you leave raw egg on granite or, or any type of surface. It is next to impossible to get off then. You're like scratching it with your fingernails and knives and everything else. And if you just clean it up quickly while the mess is made, it is way easier to get up and clean up and get off so it's not an issue when you come back. The same thing with forgiveness. Man, if you don't let it set in, it's a whole lot easier to get past. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 through 32 says, Make a clean break with all cutting and backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. It says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. So chosen by God for this new life of love, Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. I still have a trouble with that because I still think second place is first place loser. Um, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Don't let it set in. 
forgive quickly because it's a lot harder to clean up a, an issue and offense after it's turned into unforgiveness and bitterness. But it also says completely. What's that mean? It means this, you stop talking about it. Right? You, you, stop, you stop talking about it. Anytime that person's name come up, well, you know what they did to me, right? Like, I've forgiven them, but you know what they did, right? No, you haven't forgiven that person. That, that, that you forgive them. Here, here's the great thing, and Paul is showing us the, the basis of this, the way the master, the way Jesus forgave you and me. Thank God that every time that I come before my heavenly father, he doesn't go, oh, there's Justin Graves, a screw up, Right? He doesn't remind me of everything that I've done, but it says, no, 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 the old things have passed away, and now I'm a new creation. You've got to allow yourself to move on from it and not get hung up on it. Forgive completely so that you can be free from it. Completely doesn't mean you keep talking about it. Doesn't mean you keep thinking about all the wrong or what you could have done and where you could have been. No, no. This hear me, and this is hard. I know. Hear me. This applies to ex-spouses, ex-business partners, ex-friends that tried to destroy you and hurt you. I, I, I know. Forgive, forgive, repeatedly. Quickly and completely. It just got real. Here's the deal, and, and I, I've got to be done. When I look at Shemia, when I look at David, you look at this man, Shemia. And Shemia has had no peace. He has waited for this moment since Saul has died. And you're talking decades. The Shemia has been waiting for David to get his. And David finally gets his, and Shemia comes out, and he is greeting him with curses and throwing rocks and dust and harassing him, and this is the moment, and this is the moment. And David just keeps moving out and blocking. Here, Shemia's never experienced peace. He's never experienced rest. All he has is anger and bitterness and rage, and he's never, but it says David kept moving, and everybody with David kept moving, and if you go back and read our text, it says this, that the place that they came to, they were exhausted. It says, I love that it says they were exhausted. It means they were tired. It was hard. It was hard traveling. Man, it's hard to block out and move out. It's, I'm not, what I'm telling you today isn't easy, but it's best, and they came to a place, and there they refreshed themselves. They came to a place where they could be refreshed and find peace. Some of you, and you've been without peace in all your relationships. David kept moving and it affected everybody that was with David. Hear me, your ability to keep moving out and blocking out and forgive quickly and completely and repeatedly affects all the other relationships that are connected to you. And if you're going to find peace, and I'm going to find peace. If you're going to find love, and I'm going to find love. If you're going to find this place of refreshing for your soul because your soul is exhausted from dealing with the Shemias and the unforgiveness, you've got to keep listening to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit instead of all the Shemias in your life.
so that you can find a place of refreshing and peace that affects everybody else around you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today. And Lord, I know this message, it is really, really hard. <clears throat> for some of us, we don't want to hear this message today because we have been offended and it's turned into something else. It's turned into unforgiveness. It's turned into bitterness. There are things that people are dealing with in this room that they've been through horrible situations, horrible circumstances. <laughs> but Lord, I pray that we would not allow our feelings to guide us, to lead us, to direct us. But the Lord, we would understand what you're asking of us today, what you're commanding of us today. Lord, it's, it's not the choice. It's the command to forgive repeatedly, to forgive quickly, and to forgive completely. <clears throat> and so, God, I pray, we're, we're, wherever we're at, Lord, there's some of us, we're in such need for refreshment for our soul. God, we're in such need of peace for our soul, peace for our relationships. And God, we can't experience that peace as long as we're allowing unforgiveness to have a place in our life because it affects everything. So Lord, I pray that we would understand you're not just the God who is for us in the good and easy times, but you're the God who is for us in the hard moments like this. And Lord, your instructions, even though it feels like we're letting somebody off the hook, it's not to let somebody off the hook as much as it is for our benefit so that we can find a place of peace, so that we can find a place of refreshment, so that we can find a place of rest. And that it would affect all of those that are attached to us. Lord, let us be David instead of Shemiah. Let us keep walking. Let us keep listening to your still small voice as you lead us in paths of righteousness sake for your sake. Lord, we love you and we thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here. And I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. Today, you may be here and... And maybe where you're at in your relationship with Jesus Christ isn't where you need to be at. And you know it. And the only person that can change that for you is you this morning. Nobody else gets to make this decision for you. And today, it's not that your life isn't good, but Jesus is saying this, man, just bring your good life to me and exchange it for a better one. If that's you, right where you are, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to invite you to raise your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer to change your life. To get things right in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Own this moment. Own this time. One, two, three. Is there anyone here you say, Justin, that's me. There's one. There's two. Is there anyone else? I see your hand. There, there's three. Is there anyone else?
You say, Justin, that's me today. You join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You join these four hands that are lifted before we go any further. Man, this is the biggest moment. Biggest moment that you'll have. Anyone else? You join these four hands that are lifted before we go any further. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I have sinned, that I've messed up, that, that where I'm at isn't where I should be or where I even need to be, but I ask for your forgiveness. I bring my good life and I exchange it for a better one. I repent of the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.